and relied on others. And I love this about David, demonstrating the, the, the true shepherd's heart of the king of Israel and the true leadership heart that God wants us to have. He calls him and says, bring Jonathan's son in, Mephibosheth. And they carry him in because he's crippled and he's fearful that David's going to try and wipe him out because he might be a threat to the throne. But so he comes in in fear and trepidation and David looks at him and talks to him and says, no, I made a promise to your father. I'm going to look after you. I want you to eat every night at my table. I want you to come into my palace, my home. We're going to look after you. We're going to treat you well. And I love that, the power of inclusion of come into my home. Here's the question. Is there room at our table for people in our lives who maybe have been beaten up a little bit by life? who maybe, maybe they've been dropped as people have been running in fear or people have been running to their own future and they've forgotten about them. People have been a bit beaten up, a bit damaged by life. Is there room at our table as a church? Is there room at your table in your small group? Is there room in your home, in your life to say, hey, you can come and you can eat at my table and you can be part of the family. I'm not just going to see you on Sunday. I'm going to have you in my home because it will bring healing and acceptance and warmth and love. This is not just the role of leaders. It's the job of the church and it's called the power of inclusion. Turn to your neighbor and say, is there room at your table? Inclusion means this. Inclusions mean, inclusion means we open up our hearts and our homes to others. We open up our hearts and our homes to other. It doesn't have to be the five-star experience. It's all about what's in your heart. I often, uh, I, I think of it like this. Take a risk. Take a risk on having somebody over to your house for chicken and chips. Come on. Take a risk on having someone over for your house. It doesn't have to be gourmet. I remember uh, when we were a young married couple, Danielle and I, we had uh, our first uh, son. We were living with his little baby in Budrum Meadows, and we decided that we were going to take risks and invite people over. I remember Russell and Marita Smith, and they were like this couple in our church who were fairly new to our church. They had four kids, and we said, come on, let's, let's just be given to hospitality. We weren't leaders. They weren't leaders, but we, we saw them at church and we thought come on let's just open up our hearts and let's invite them into our homes and let's show some sacred hospitality and Dan put on the meal and they came over with all their kids and you know what we took a risk but who would to be known who, who would know that that risk would lead to 20, 20 years of faithful and fun friends who would know that out of that meal would come loyal uh, and dedicated co-ministers who, know, who would know that out of that one moment and an investment in a relationship that we would find encouragers and supporters and defenders through the highs and lows of life and ministry. Who would know except you take the risk? Come on over to my place. I feel like Dr. Seuss. Come on over to my place. I think that's a line there somewhere. Open up your heart and your home to others. That's what inclusion means. So let's go further into this story. The, the first point I want us to do is to open up our hearts. This week in connect groups right across the coast, in small groups, in prayer groups, people are opening up their homes. People are opening up their hearts to invite you to come. And maybe the risk for you is not to open up your home to somebody else, but it's to go into somebody else's home that you've never been there. Maybe it's because they're a young adult, a, a young man, a young adult, and you don't know what you're going to 
find when you get to their house. That's quite scary. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's just stepping out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's, you know, the fear of the unknown. What if I go to that person's place for the very first time? I love Katie's story. When she first came to church, how Rebecca went and picked her up and gave her a card and said, would you come in to my small group, my connect group? I'm going to pray for you. I'm thinking of you. I love the spirit of inclusion. And out of that moment of inclusion where, the, where her small group leader reaches out, picks her up, gets her past that sort of zone of fear and intimidation of the unknown. And then Katie goes on to become one of the great leaders and pastors in our church because Beck stepped out and encouraged her. Come on, you've got nothing to lose by taking a step to go to someone's house. I know you've never been there before, but I promise we have had it fumigated before you come in. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. All right. So let's keep going with this. This story of Jesus. Simon has him back to his home. We don't know if Simon's a complete skeptic. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why he has Jesus back to his home. Uh, we, we suspect he might be a little bit like Nicodemus, another Pharisee, who's curious, who's interested in the claims of Jesus Christ about being the Messiah, the one that the Jews were waiting for, but we don't know. Maybe it was the, the fear of peer pressure that changed the way that Simon treated Jesus compared to the other guests who came. Because let's read this story right now. When a certain, okay, he's at Simon's house. When a certain immoral woman from that city, a prostitute, heard that he was eating there, she bought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Uh, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. This is such a beautiful picture. Then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them out of her alabaster jar. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, remember this is a picture of Christian acceptance and religious judgment. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. You see, the Pharisees had a rule that, that they would not come within a certain distance of women full stop. They would become ceremonially unclean to come near a woman in that proximity, but to come near a prostitute that close and letting her touch your feet, obviously Jesus wasn't in tune with that kind of woman that she was, according to the Pharisee, because if only he knew, he would never allow it. What he's not really realizing is Jesus is demonstrating the way of God to deal with those who we don't think are worthy, but who God loves and accepts. It goes on, and Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I've got something to say to you. Uh-oh. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. Neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both cancelling their debts who do you suppose loved him more after that and Simon answered I suppose the one whom he cancelled the larger debt that's right Jesus said then he turned to the woman and said to Simon look at this woman kneeling here when I entered your home you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair you didn't greet me with a kiss but from the first time I came in she has not stopped kissing my feet you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. And Jesus said to the woman, your sins 
are forgiven. That's the message of the gospel. If we come to Christ, no matter what our past, no matter what we've done, He will wash it away. He will cleanse us, make us right and holy, uh, just as if we'd never sinned in the first place. He takes them off us. It's the great message. Now, this is a, a, is a powerful story of contrast. As I said, religion versus relationship. Judgment versus acceptance. Lukewarm uh, attendance to someone versus passionate worship, of which the woman did. And so I want to talk about three things that we can learn out of this story. Three things that was normal in the Israeli or the Jewish or the Middle Eastern culture to express hospitality. It's about inclusion and what, the, what should have been done that the woman did for him. And I believe that we can learn things from this as a church. And my prayer is that as a church, we would be known for the culture of inclusion, of the high and the low, of every demographic of life, of every person from every postcode, of every person from every background, every person from every, every um, socioeconomic climate, that we would be known as a church who includes and loves and accepts everybody, no matter what their station in life, and we pour the love of God in them. If you agree with that, say amen and give the Lord a clap. All right, so let, let's have a look at this. The first thing we're, we're going to talk about is, is when someone came to a person's place, there would be washing of feet. It was normal. And Simon, for whatever reason, because of his fear of the others judging him or maybe because of the way he thought about Jesus, as every other Pharisee came in, he would make sure that a servant washed the dust. They walked in sandals, a dusty climate. And so they would be, he would make sure that a servant would wash their feet so that they wouldn't carry the dust into the house and make footprints. They could get it on the furniture. It was the normal way to honor people who came into your home and to welcome strangers. But for some reason, when Jesus came in, they didn't do that then the next thing that they were, they were supposed to do is they were supposed to give a warm greeting it was traditional to to give a, a kiss it might be on the hand it might be on the cheek uh, when someone was making a supplication to someone in power they would, would often fall at their feet and kiss them on their feet it was part of the middle eastern tradition of greeting a kiss and simon didn't do that he let him go through he welcomed and greeted everybody else but jesus he let go through and then the third thing that it was traditional to do was to anoint your head with olive oil. And the reason they would do that, they were in a culture that was hot, smelly, dusty, and they didn't have deodorant. So when someone came to your place, they'd get perfumed olive oil and they'd put it on your hair and let that run down on your hair and they would, that, that aroma, that fragrance would change your aroma and everybody around you, rather than smelling your, your BO from a hot climate, they'd smell the smell of perfumed oil. That's why they would anoint their head with oil. And so, when, so Jesus at one point says, when you're fasting, make sure you anoint your head with oil so it doesn't look like you've been skipping meals because at mealtime you put oil on your hair as a fragrant, uh, as a gift to those who are sitting near you, let's say, okay? That was the climate and that was the culture. And each of those things uh, represents something that we need to do for those who, who we want to come into our lives, those who are coming into the church. The first one is the, is the uh, wiping of, of feet. And this simply means for us, the, the metaphor of this is inclusion means we serve others with humility. 
Inclusion means, so we include people by going, what needs have you got? And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to welcome you into our home. This is our church home. And as you come in, your needs might be that your children are looked after so that you can experience God without any concerns. And so humility inclusion says there's an army of people who go, well, I'll look after your kids for you. I'm going to esteem you and your time more valuable than me. And I'm going to make that a priority because I want you to feel included. I don't want you to have to stay away because you can't bring your kids into church. It means Inclusion means serving in all sorts of different ways, practical things that we did. Jesus demonstrated this. He came to a place, no one washed the feet. Jesus looked around the room and said, well, I'm going to wash their feet. And he took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, and began to wipe their feet. And then at the end of it, he made a statement to the disciples. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. So he's not saying, I'm not in that position of leadership because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to do, to follow. Do as I have done to you. The culture of Christianity. This is the culture of Christianity. No matter what our position is, no matter who we are in the church, is to wash other people's feet. It's to adopt the position of humility and say, your needs are more important than my needs. I'm going to serve you practically in whatever way I can to make your life better. It's the culture of inclusion of the gospel. Does that make sense? We don't, we don't need to wash people's feet from dust because we all wore shoes here tonight. But there are other things that we can do. We can serve people coffees. We can, we, can, we can help them and greet them and help them find seats. We can open their doors. We can have umbrellas going up if it's raining and bring them in. We can do all sorts of, that's just on a Sunday, into our church home. But when they come into our own home, we feed people. We give them gifts. We make them welcome by serving others. It's the spirit of inclusion. <coughs> inclusion means number two, and this is the, this is the, the kiss that Jesus gave. And no, this is not permission, fellas, to give all the beautiful women as they come to church a kiss on the lips. That's not what I'm talking about here right now. Okay, it's not permission. Have you ever kissed someone who does the kiss on the lips and you don't know them quite well? Yes, I do. Every now and then, anyway, just that's like, oh, okay, it's all good. Okay, don't do that. Now, here's the thing the kiss mean, means this it's, a, it's about non judgment. The kiss is about, I'm not standing here. Simon is standing here judging Jesus, judging who he is. The woman comes to him, experiences his love. Her heart melts. She begins to weep with the holiness and awe of Jesus Christ, begins to see his feet haven't been washed. She wipes his feet. She doesn't have a, she doesn't have a towel. She uses her hair. It's the, her glory. The Bible says the woman's glory is her hair. She uses her glory to worship Jesus through washing his feet. And she kisses his feet. It's an act of warmth, of love, of honor. And inclusion means we welcome others with warmth. We bring them in. We don't judge them. When the prodigal son's father welcomed him home, and he was thinking, I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get told all the things I've done wrong. I'm going to get told I don't measure up. I'm going to get told I shouldn't have that, t- that tattoo I got from that party that I went to. I'm going to get told that I shouldn't have that kind of hairdo. The father runs to him, and the Bible says, falls on him and kisses his neck. 
It's the kiss of acceptance. It's the kiss of heaven. It's the kiss of warmth. And I believe the spirit of warmth and, and in, encouragement and acceptance should mark every time we get together, should mark every time every group gets together. People come in, you're okay. You're accepted just the way you are. You're loved with whatever baggage you've bought. It's okay. We're not going to judge you. As long as this place stays safe for everybody, you're welcome, you're included, and you're going to be warmly greeted in the house of God. Come on, that's who we are. Let's always be a church that welcomes others with a holy kiss. Four times the apostle Paul writes, greet one another with a holy kiss. Holy being the key word there. All right, moving right along. The third thing as we're bringing this to a close and I get a keyboard to start is this. Inclusion means that we pray with and for others. I love this. I love the, the sense of prayer. I love, you know, just the thought that olive oil, perfumed, would be put on me to cover up my stuff. So I come to this place, and rather than you stink, rather than that, we're putting, all, we're putting something on you so we all smell the same. We all fit in. It's okay. You're okay. I'm accepting you just the way you are. Welcome to this place. Also, olive oil was representative not just of acceptance. It was representative of healing. When the Good Samaritan was beaten up, and the, the, sorry, when the, the guy was beaten up and the Good Samaritan, another parable of Jesus is told in the, in the Bible, he went to him and it says that he, uh, he dressed his wounds with wine and with oil. In that moment, the wine was, was like an... an uh, what do you call that? A uh, help me out, babe. Antiseptic. Thank you very much. Not an antiseptic. It was an antiseptic to sterilize the wounds, and the oil was to bring healing. It was to bring healing. The Bible talks about the healing oil of heaven, the healing balm. The Bible talks about the oil for anointing people, anointing them for service, setting them apart as priests or as kings. And that's who you and I are. And so when people come to the house of God or come to our home or come to our group, here's the thing. We pray for them. We don't expose them. We pray for them that they'll be covered. The blood of Jesus covers their sin. We pray for them. We don't, pour it, we don't point out their faults. We pray for them that they will be healed that the wounds that they've experienced, that we've all experienced, the, the difficulties of our past in this fallen world, the challenges, the pain, the turmoil that we all have on the inside, we pray for them that the Holy Spirit will touch each other and he'll bring healing into the wounds. He'll be an antiseptic to the enemy who wants to come and hang around us. And we welcome and greet and love one another. And in the process of that oil coming on one another, the oil of heaven, people will be healed. Just, just loving one another will bring the healing power of God. Just accepting one another will bring the healing power of God. Just welcoming people to worship beside me in church tonight will bring the healing power of God. It's the oil of heaven. He wants us. It's the power of inclusion. It will also... Prepare us for ministry, every one of us. We don't have to be perfect before we can be used by God. We just need to get anointed, willing. When you come to his house, an oil from heaven gets on you. I, I like it. In those days, skin got dry and crackly because it was hot and sunny. So part of the oil was to, was to smooth the skin. Part of the oil was to bring life back where there was dryness. 
And we all need some life where we've got dry. And that's what here at church and when we meet together in groups, we're ministering to one another, healing. We're ministering life to get rid of the dryness. And we're anointing one another for the call of God for our lives. Every one of us in this room have got a purpose from God. And it comes as we celebrate the power of inclusion. The power of inclusion. The warm welcome that everybody deserves, no matter where they've been, what they've done. The, the humble serving of one another. Just prioritizing you over me, prioritizing others over my needs. And then the prayer for one another, the prayer with one another, God's healing power beginning to flow. Can we close our eyes right across this place?